And you might think, what if I fall? Well, what if you don't? What if you fly? With so much love and respect, welcome to the Luke Adler Healing Podcast, where we turn pain into power and get down to what really matters, the love we share and the love we grow. This is for those who want to get intimate with life's living edge and use every instance as an opportunity for deepening and connection. To make life a work of art, painted by passion and fueled by a longing for a more beautiful world, ultimately creating space for all that we are. I'm your host, Luke Adler. Let's get it. Well, I'm so honored and delighted today to be recording with my life partner, my deepest heart connection, my wife, Emily Adler Mosqueda. And today we're going to talk about our journey as a couple, as partners in everything, really, and um, some of the big challenges that we've been through and and kind of where we are today. So um, I'm honored to welcome you to the show. Thanks. Really great to be here. So, yeah, we want to talk about, I think we just give like an overview of the last kind of a a brief synopsis of our, of our marriage, you know, in like two, two to five minutes. Um, So people got to kind of get a sense of how things have been. And um, you want me to start or you want to go? Well, I think it might be two different stories. (laughs) It probably is. (laughs) I mean, yes, we've, we've, we've shared these years together and I think most of the time had the same perspective of the experience, but we've definitely had our own experiences. Yeah. Um, probably the first, what, four years before we had kids was probably pretty equally shared of an understanding of how great it was and how <clears throat> well it worked and how excited we were to eventually have kids. Um, and kind of the work, the, at least to me, this kind of the surprising work that it was to get pregnant and and uh, stay pregnant and go through that journey. That it definitely wasn't fast for us, um, but definitely having kids changed things. Or, I mean, changed things. But I think what it, at least what it changed for me was I went from us connecting with each other to really leaning in and leaning on that connection and and kind of years pre-kids connection to um, then focusing on this new job I had, which was like raising our daughter right. um, in a way that was looking back pretty zealous yep. of um, I know what I'm going to need to do. I'm going to intuit everything. Didn't want to read anything. I mean, you were the one that went to the birthing class. So I was like, I don't want any, like any other opinions or stories or information swaying my influencing potentially my experience of this you know first time mom thing and yet probably would have been a good idea to to go with you uh, though we wouldn't have heard anything but I was really in a space that I didn't I didn't want that 
Well, I think that was, to me, you know, getting married was exciting, being kind of protected by and acknowledged by society that we were in a, a kind of a special designation of partnership was powerful. But what happened to us individually in our roles once we had children was something I had no expectation of. I just, it was totally shocking. Mm-hmm. And how that eventually, you know, drove us to have less and less focus on each other, contact, which led to less connection, right. which became kind of intermittent connection, which then became like a very common social story of, you know, who the husband is and who the wife is or who the masculine partner, who the feminine partner is. Mm-hmm. And we played right into those social roles. Yeah. You know, and and then got to a point where we didn't have, the, we didn't have near the connection we had when we, prior to kids. Right. Which was so deep and loving and and, uh, and playful. Playful and, and honoring. To, you know, even the last six months, I'd say like resentment on both sides and both of us kind of thinking about what life might be like without the other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how could that happen? How would we do the kids? And maybe it wasn't something we were so explicit with, uh, but it was, we were thinking about it individually. Yeah. And then, and then that, you know, came to a head some weeks ago and. We, we had this kind of awakening around our relationship and um, how it is and how we wanted it to, to change, not necessarily return, but bring back connection in a powerful way. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that something you would agree with? or No, absolutely. Um, I think with each kid we had I mean like having a second child was really challenging in ways that we didn't expect um and that and then enduring and navigating a a pandemic was something else we weren't expecting or anticipating and I think our like when you were describing that the image that was coming to mind was like a, a cord or a rope that um just kind of over time got worn and frayed and so then the strength and integrity of it started to change. <clears throat> um, and yeah, I think, you know, we've been talking about how, how did we get here and, um, and kind of noticing how, even though we were starting to play into those traditional roles of, you know, provider and caregiver and things like that, that with it came, um, senses and trying to escape it. I mean, looking back on the first year of, of our first daughter's life, you were you know, writing a book and then going and pursuing other educational endeavors to, um, you know, advance your knowledge and things like that. Cause I think we weren't able to maintain a connection like we had. And so having like maybe intellectual stimulation was comforting to you or of interest and then I, I had done the exact same thing. I had wanted to escape um, with with our second child and how hard things got around her first birthday. The ultimate escape of like I was in some real dark places and, you know, didn't think thought things would be easier if I wasn't here. 
And so instead of doing, instead of doing that, <clears throat> started writing what would become my book. Um, and then was heading energy into that and, and then also pursued another degree. So, um, I think we'd have both been wanting to, as much as we were in these roles, um, that we had and had kind of taken over us, we were also trying to simultaneously escape them. Um, and, and we had enough touch points of connection from our past, but like when, kids were at grandparents' house or if the kids, um, you know, there were times there were, you know, there was enough good times along the way, but these last six months I think were really hard. Let's get into, let's just get right into it for people. Like what were, let's just share our complaints, the complaints that we had when we weren't connected, what was your complaints about me? And then I'll share my complaints about you. Just like these are complaints probably most people have couples have of each other. They're real common. Yeah. But let's just get right into it. <clears throat> I felt like you weren't aware or present to the minutiae that was caretaking, like things that I, things that I would put out to try to help you leave the house with all the things you need. You'd walk away with like only half of them. <clears throat> things that I thought were obviously like, I'm going to put the laundry on the stairs because you walk up the stairs and you'll think to take the laundry upstairs. You wouldn't see that. You'd walk right past it and go upstairs. I'm like, how could he not see this thing that's like right in front of him? Or, um, I don't know, just this feeling that, you know, you working on the weekends or working at a town that, um, I don't know, that, that just got really hard. And the details of caretaking and having to be the only person that was wrangling bedtime and thinking about who needs to make a school lunch and who's going to not have school lunch and all this, like this mental load that mothers and women have of all the details of when's the next doctor's appointment? Have they had their dentist appointment? Are their vaccines up to date? Um, do they need new clothes? Are there, are they outgrowing their clothes? Do they have shoes that fit them? Like um, how are school going? Um, like kind of thinking all these different iterations of cares about the kids when you weren't physically there, I'm like, well, he's definitely not thinking about those things. Um, and so here I am thinking about and doing all of that work. Um, and like, what the hell? <laughs> Why is it all on me? Mm -hmm. Just because I birthed these kids and gestated them, like I just, I get to be that VIP person. Um, yeah, those were kind of my, some of my complaints. Yeah, I mean, my, my complaints, I think in some ways I was, you know, part of being a man is to not complain about things. And so there were complaints, but I kind of were, was conscious or I was at some degrees uh, suppressing them mm. because men don't complain, men just get shit done and handle things. So there was a resentment for me that you had a complaint at all. But as I allowed myself to complain, you know, and like what wasn't working for me, I mean, the lack of warmth, the, you know, you just feeling kind of perceiving to me being very uptight, very tense, not available, not warm. And, you know, I think in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, she's got a heavy load. She's managing the children. She's, you know, you've got your job and you're overwhelmed and you don't have energy for me. And kind of like accepting that, just like, okay. Well, that's what life is. That's what it is to be married with young children is you don't have the energy to give to each other. Mm -hmm. So that was like a condition I was just accepting. 
And, um, yeah, you know, similarly to how, like when you'd come home from work or come home from working all weekend and need to rest and relax and just like veg on TV. I was like, well, he's just worked a lot. Like, of course he can't participate in bedtime. Like there was, yeah, there's a lot of like justifying the absenteeness. Right. And as a business owner, you know, you're, you're managing the business of our family. I'm managing a business of six employees and 300 patients and like talk about minutia. I mean, I have so much detail going on all the time and I'm not complaining about it. It's like, this is my lot. And so, um, you know, this is like a socialization of what men do with their pain and burden, which is to basically, you need to shut the fuck up, put it on your back and keep going. And then what I was getting from you. And so there was um, kind of a resentment building from both sides and in a way in which we weren't seeing each other. We were seeing each other, but we weren't seeing each other intimately. Yeah. We weren't close enough. Um, and we were kind of managing it seemingly from my point of view of like, well, Hey, I need this and I need this and trying to mechanically, uh, okay, I'll do more dishes. I'll try to do more laundry. I'll, you know, participate more at home to show you that I hear you and I see that you're carrying more. And, you know, we had a clear agreement because I work more out there in the world that you would do more with the family. So it wasn't that we were kind of outside of that agreement, but you know, there's nuances there of, you know, you're doing a lot of work that we share here at home or we share the home and you're working here and I'm kind of watching you do it in a certain sense, mm -hmm. you know, in part, you know, walking by things that need to get done because I'm focused on something else and, and not focused on all the things you're focusing on. But let's talk about what, like where it came to a head, because I think this is a common thing. Like, okay, there's a provider of, you know, money, et cetera, shelter. And then there's the provider of love, those two roles, whether it's, you know, the masculine holds one, the feminine holds the other. And we were staunchly in those roles. And then it, and then it came to a head because I think we both, probably you were you were the one really bringing it forward there was something missing yeah i was i was just really unhappy like my 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 distractors my coping mechanisms of writing a book i had published my book i had also simultaneously started a graduate program and i could see that these things were going to you know end and before my book could before my book could be out i had already signed up for classes knowing that there's like a post book depression authors talk about um, definitely wanted to avoid that one. And then thinking too, back in May, oh my God, when my classes are over at the end of this term, this summer, like that's going to be a big shift. Like I haven't, that's just going to be different. What, like what's going to happen? It's so funny. Cause I was <clears throat> so looking forward to your classes being over and you being done with all this stuff so that you could like focus and just be here in the home and have your energy be more available to all of us. And your experience was like, you were really dreading being done. And I remember feeling confused by that. I'm like, the fuck? Like, I'm looking forward to having you back in our life. And uh, yeah, I remember it was, I was kind of perplexed when you were, uh, <laughs> you know, worried. Like, I don't have a project now. I'm like, yeah, well, because it's supposed to be us, you know? Right. Because I also had an issue with that of like, you know, 
having kids and my being my sole fulfillment, I, I didn't I didn't buy that bit of the intensive mothering, you know, patriarchal myth. Yeah. Um, but I think I had the part of that myth was that there wasn't there's no connection in that in that story of the perfect mother. She's come out somehow doing it by herself. And so I had felt like I had actually been doing it by myself and it wasn't all that fantastical. <laughs> it was tiring and I felt lonely. And um, I just thought, I'm going to feel more of that. And yeah. I want to feel lonely and alone when I'm married. Like that is like the worst to feel like a single parent and being married. I felt really trapped, honestly. And there's like, there's some folks out there promoting like, you know, dads being more involved with, with the family and like that, that's an exhausting endeavor. And, you know, you only have 18 years with these children and you're going to be exhausted. So drink more coffee and just, you know, change, change the way we rear our children and show up more. But that's not what you and I discovered. No, it wasn't this like obligatory thing. Like, okay, I got to do more at home. No, because after a while I was like, no, I don't, I don't want you. Like, it doesn't matter if you did more dishes. It didn't matter if you do laundry, actually, like don't because you haven't been like it hasn't happened and it's not going to but there was definitely this lack of connection between us yeah the fact that i knew that i loved you but didn't like you more and more of the time really upset me and i was like really frustrated with myself of like why am i not liking this person that i have been in love with was in love with but it had been such a long time since i'd felt a sense of connection let's get into the the nitty-gritty of our of our, like how thwarted our complaints were getting, because one of the ways I was coping with the lack of warmth from you and how serious my job has been, mm-hmm. you know, working with, I think I had 11 people die in 13 months in my practice, um, is I would be more silly at home and goofy. And I wouldn't bring the kind of intellectual, spiritual being that I am at work although I'm, I'm pretty ridiculous and silly at work too. But at home, I was just like resting and then I was really silly with our kids. And that became a complaint for you oh, yeah. that you enrolled even the kids in. The kids were like, Daddy, why are you silly all the time? And it was kind of, we could see quickly how you, you could start to split the kids in camps and, and move into this toxic place where you, you start to see each other um well and vice versa of like mommy's so serious yeah mommy's so uptight and i yeah felt yeah we kind of somehow pitted each other against each other yeah and 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 the kids were were trying to play both sides which wasn't fair to them right right and we were we just see like oh this happens in couples and then it leads to divorce and it leads to you know creating camps with not only children but everyone you know to justify why you've left someone right and um so yeah this came to a head you're you're bringing up we had a family meeting about it yeah and 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 really you you sharing with really um graded patience and i mean i could tell you were irritated i could tell you were hurt and yet it was delivered in such an appropriate dose that it like I finally felt like a boundary of my complaint. Like I finally hit up against something that wasn't just going to laugh, laugh in my face. Yeah. Um, which had been the response that I'd been getting from you, which 
it, you know, aggravated me a lot. And so I'm like, oh, great, something different, something that I really wanted, like some something more serious. But then you also shared that bit about losing 11 people in your practice. And I'm kind of reflecting on my 30s decade. I'm going to be 40 this month, now that it's October. And um, that really stopped me in my tracks of like, wow, I, you know, this is, you know, suppose, you know, midlife that, oh, you know, you're over the hill. And I kind of see like, I've reached a vantage point at my age. And, you know, the top of the mountain is their ultimate graduation. And shit, that top of the mountain's closer than it was a decade ago. And um, there was a preciousness to the upsets that we'd been living that like, I don't want that to keep going. Life is too short to have it be, to have it pass like this. And so actually hearing that reality check of your experience about work had me really pause and soften in a way that I hadn't been able to soften. Like my, 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 my upset had kind of revved me up and kept me in this, in this hyper aroused fight mode. And that was the first thing that kind of like brought me down a little bit into, into reality, touch some, like, you're like, you know, I've seen family, I've seen, I've seen love that is, you know, amazing and beautiful. And then bodies give out, or you said something like that, or, and I've seen, I've seen family, I've seen situations where it's devoid of love and then their bodies give out and like how, how sad that is. And however you said it just really kind of, um, was sobering in a way that I needed, that I needed. I think that's a good word. And I think, you know, just as we're talking now, there's a piece that I'm getting, which is for me, and I think this is true for most men or masculine partners, because there's an ethos to not complain and to not um, bring forward sure. bring forward what's not working, but mm-hmm. to be tough and kind of just put it on your back. You know, the, the silliness, what I saw in some ways, it was like a passive aggressiveness that I was um, expressing to you in a certain way. You know, like every time I'd laugh, it was almost like, are you fucking kidding me? You're complaining about this thing, whether it's the dishes or duties with the children. And I've got people, you know, being hit by cars or dying of cancer or uh, ALS or whatever it might be. And, you know, you have a great life. Look at where we live. Look at what we have. Look at what we do. You know, almost like how dare you complain about any of it. And that, in a certain sense, was um, something I was holding back and living in this valence of, you know, the, the man is just supposed to take, take it on. He's also supposed to just allow his wife to kvetch, to vent and moan, and that's what women do. And so, you know, just kind of. Kind of played into the roles. Let her do it and keep moving on, you know. And if she can't be happy, then, you know, um, she needs to figure that out. You know, like I I definitely had a sense like I wasn't going to be patient forever. Um, And I also had a sense I shared with you, like, I love our children so much. Like, I probably would want to stay married even if we were miserable until they were out of 
um, high school because that that was in there in my ethos of protect the children, make sure they have the kind of healthiest um, upbringing as possible. And, you know, we know that that's not a great thing to demonstrate like unlove for children, but that was in there in the background for me of like, just, you know, I, th- I think one of the other things that made it more doable for me than most people is I have a long standing meditation practice. So I was getting enough love spiritually and from myself to feel sustained, even though we weren't connected. Mm. And that was really tricky. Whereas other people might drink or smoke or go into pornography or sugar and TV. You know, I was doing the television and overeating a bit, but my meditation practice was filling me up enough spiritually that I was like, well, you know, I, I can manage, you know, I'm, I'm actually doing pretty well, but a big part of me was kind of dried out and I, and I didn't even know it. Yeah. Speaking. I just, I noticed in my, in my like fight response, you know, negative, negative Nancy glasses prescription that I just suddenly found myself wearing of not being able to see anything positive um, anymore and feeling really flat and frustrated with that, that that wasn't just, I couldn't chalk it up to PMS. I couldn't chalk it up to some hormonal state that would pass. Um, and, and I just kind of sitting with that loneliness was really extra painful. And I felt really, the more I like reflected to some, you know, close girlfriends about how I was feeling and we weren't being connected and our communication was really shitty at that time. I finally found the words of like, I feel malnourished. And so like I was having my own experience of this malnourishment. I remember you asked me, like, are you still meditating? And I was like, yes. And, um, you know, I've, I've also, you know, been a meditator, not as long as you have, but, um, that has definitely been a sustaining, you know, essential element and ingredient to my, to my daily life. But that wasn't also doing it. So, yeah, I think we found ourselves dried up in the pots that we had put ourselves in as these roles. And like we'd seen our bamboo die because it had maxed out on the pot it had been planted in, mm-hmm. needed to be repotted. Well, and we were, we were also real focused on our children. So we both had separate relationships with our kids. We loved them. We were devotional to them, but we didn't have that with each other. Right. And, you know, you can get a wonderful experience of love with your kids. You can be very bonded to your children like you and I are in our unique ways, but that's a very different kind of love than you can have with a partner. Or as a complete unit as a family. I mean, it did feel kind of family system. Yeah, It kind of felt like there was two, two systems simultaneously functioning this parallel process kind of happening. Right. And if you bring in the spiritual level, which whether you have a conscious relationship with your spirituality or not, that is what sustains us all in a body. And you and I both have strong relationships spiritually. So here we are, we're connected cosmologically, we're connecting in with our children, but the, the, you can almost think of it like an electrical circuit between you and I was not online. Yeah. And so we were, that we were often, you know, looking back, um, tired, you know, very tired and 
you know, not that we were disconnected all the years of having children. No. We, we had, we had, we had enough, we had enough connection for sure. But just these last six months, I think with our youngest being six and a half and kind of growing out of the stage of screaming when she doesn't get what she wants, there was all of a sudden enough space for us to feel our nervous systems and go, Oh my God. Okay. We're sleeping. We're not dealing with constant screaming when we're at home. Like, you know, we, we have the discipline to like hold hands and be connective Mm -hmm. for many years because it was almost like we were surviving Mm -hmm. this really difficult thing. But now that we've come out of this survival period, it's been this space to actually feel and realize, um, there are some, there are some kind of connectivity circuits that, that we were feeling weren't there. Yeah. Weren't online. Well, let's talk about what happened once, like we got them connected. It was, we got in that conversation and then we, we had a breakthrough and then we nurtured that connection strongly for several, you know, three, four weeks now. But let's talk about how that, how that feels, what's different about that and why that's different than, okay, you do these 10 tasks and I'll do these 10 tasks. And now we're yeah. sharing the workload. Yeah. We actually didn't ever talk about workload. It had nothing to do with the, the practical tasks. It was more of a felt sense of as much as I was in a fight, had been in a fight place, I sustained and overrode my, my internal desire to, to, to flee, to run. And so I just had to kind of stay in the presence of you, like holding hands, just facing you and like remembering our connection enough that it could like rekindle itself. It, there were embers. So there was something there, but you got a fan of flame. You had to fan those embers sometimes and blow on them and give it some oxygen, which was just like time and presence. And you were equally seeing, gosh, okay, my, my goofiness wasn't actually helping. And, you know, in that way, kind of came and brought your, yourselves forward. Yeah, it was a way I was protecting myself. Absolutely. Because I was, yeah, I was hurt. you were hurt. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. And, and that those things could be acknowledged and not discarded, but like that ourselves could come together. Like, okay, we, we, we want, we, we want this and, and then kind of being with it and, and kind of protecting this, these embers and just being with each other and really cultivating just some connection. So some gazing in the eyes, like we did the first time we met, um, just, you know, standing and, you know, holding each other by the hips and just being in each other's presence in that moment, having said the things we said, um, and I felt like we just kind of were steeping in ourselves in the presence of each other that had me want to be held, had me want to be, um, you know, I just, I, I felt like I wanted to, to be there. And these were things that weren't occurring before. You weren't wanting to be held. Absolutely. You weren't having a I lot really of wasn't. Touch. Yeah, we weren't we weren't really hugging. We didn't really demonstrate affection. We were, you know, we we didn't really, you know, have any PDA in front of our kids. There wasn't any I've had no sexual desire for you, which was also frustrating and disappointing in myself. Um, 
and just to be able to, like you said, how like cold and uptight you would perceive me. Well, I definitely felt that in my body, having biological symptoms of that constriction, um, that that all kind of got to relax. And I just got to like relax in this presence, knowing that you wanted to be there with me. I wasn't needing to be in a fight or flight to defend myself and protect myself because you weren't a threat anymore. You, you know, your presence wasn't a threat anymore. So I felt like, I felt like our mammal bodies really were what we kind of tuned into of like our nervous systems and the need to actually be close together and touch, you know, hands, you know, rub, rub your hands on your, on each other's arms and just stand there, you know, you know, have, have a kiss and just have it linger and just have that touch, um, be there to really, again, kind of like ignite these embers is kind of the only the image that keeps coming to mind. Yeah, no, that's great. That's a great image. I, um, I, you know, wonder about how, like the, the alchemy of how we went from disconnection to connection and then this form of connection that we have now, it feels like a stage change in our relationship because it's not the connection mm-hmm. we had prior to children, which was, I would say, more of a almost like a dream fantasy because it didn't have the unbelievable responsible responsibility that comes with children, which is just exponentially higher than anything else I've ever taken on. And so that that life without kids seems like a like a a, a fantasy to me uh, that is long gone. You know, and if you don't have kids, you know, it's wonderful for you, and I hope you're enjoying it and not complaining or finding things to complain about. Um, because uh, yeah, it's a ton of work. But bringing this connection back into our lives, bringing it into our lives now that we have kids, it's like bringing in a richness into our family system that is something we all always craved and wanted. Absolutely. You know, to have love flowing through the kids and we've seen their behavior change mm-hmm. and their ease at home and kind of amazing things occur in these last, this last month with the, the kids' mental and emotional health and in, in the family system, how, you know, if, if, if there's something off in the system, like you and I not being connected was manifest in some of the behaviors in our, in our kids. Right. And, you know, I remember you and I hugging and kissing, you know, like a week after and the girls were set, were sit, were standing there on the way to school, just staring at us, giggling. Like they had never seen us be so effusive with our love. Yeah, no, I could tell that our, our younger daughter, I mean, she definitely hadn't seen that that display of affection. And I, I remember consciously turning to her, you know, being the language person that I am with my training, like label it for her. Like, this is affection. This is a, de- you know, this is demonstrating affection when you love somebody. This is, this is one of the ways it can look. Yeah. And um, because I kind of caught us re- and realized and caught us being that we had never really done that in front of her. Right. And not only had, it been kind of a deprivation to her lived experience of what it meant to have her parents be married and in love. But it was also, we were depriving ourselves of that. Well, it's interesting because you, you hear this term in love, being in love. And I think what we're really. It's really being in connection. Yeah. Like we're, it's like this circuit is, is, is connected. Right. I think what's so fascinating about it is the fatigue that we complained about prior to this 
we're, we still have fatigue and we're tired, but we're, it was, it's not to the degree that dryness is gone. Mm -hmm. Like there's this juice of love that we're being energized by. And I, and I want to make this distinction spiritually, you know, we can get a lot of nourishment from the universe, from God, from love with a capital L, but the love you can get from another human being, from a partnered relationship is a whole nother fuel source. And now that that's coming in line in my body, and you can speak to it too, honey, I feel better. I feel healthier. I feel more grounded. I'm actually more attuned to um, when I don't need to push. Mm. I think prior to this, I'd push a little harder in my workouts, maybe push a little harder at work to try to find that juice, to try to find that fuel. That endorphin, that dopamine hit. I mean, it was, yeah, or just what I'm, what I'm realizing is like, you know, the, the touch and connection we're getting this, not just dopamine and oxytocin, there's a spiritual quality of love absolutely that's moving from you to me and me to you. I'm receiving, and here's the thing, like what I'm getting from you, you're a very feminine woman, is this, this beautiful, creative, soft, loving, warm energy. And it's doing something to my being, my body, that I can't get from myself. I can't get it from my daughters. I can't get it from my men's group either. I get a lot from my men's group, but I can't get that. And to me, this is like, it's like a secret. It's like this secret fuel source to get love from you, from the person I'm most dedicated to is incredible. And so how's your experience of that? Like what energy are you getting from the love of me, from that, is that, how's that landing for you? For me, it's giving me a sense of like stability and a sense, like I, I keep going back to this idea of like I was needing nurturing and it's like, I was a plant that needed to be repotted and you are just this loamy receptacle for me to land in. And you just, you just have me like you're holding, you're holding me and you're holding my, my all of myself, all the parts that I love about myself, the parts that you've loved that I haven't loved, the parts that we both could like, you know, want to, want to, will grow and change and evolve, but there's just extra space that I can like settle into. I can like exhale all the way. I feel like I'm actually, I feel like it's feel like I've taken a muscle relaxer. Like I feel so much relaxed. I'm like, I've forgetting dates. I'm late to meetings. I like, I'm, forgetting my sweater places, like things that I don't typically do. Um, like my hypervigilance that I've had to cultivate is just, I couldn't sustain it. I didn't want to sustain it. And this has just given me like the permission and the safety. Like, I just feel like this biological safety, this nervous system cue that I can downregulate in a way that I don't think I have since I gave birth the first time. I think there's compounded postpartum times has upped the ante of my nervous system and the hypervigilance because you have to be hypervigilant. Is a kid going to fall? Are they going to burn themselves? Are they going to, you know, that's part of the caregiving and the biological change that happens in the wiring in a woman's brain or whoever gives birth. Like that's, that's because I got to keep this person alive. I got to keep them safe. And then you add another kid. Well, it got to, it's got to increase for that child as well. And so I feel like I've just been able to rest and get, get into that span of my nervous system or state that is like the rest and digest and um and just this i i also have a perceived presence of you when i'm not with you physically 
that's yeah. very comforting. Yeah. Um, it's almost as if we're shoulder to shoulder when I'm standing at my desk at work or um, like you're, you don't feel as absent to me. Um, your, your, your presence is felt um, more all of the time when it had, it hadn't, you ha- your presence hadn't been felt. I think it's so shocking. And I'm using the word shocking on purpose when we had kids something activated in each of our nervous systems and when you said i mean literally the kid comes home and what if they touch the hot stove what if they fall down the stairs which they did <laughs> which has occurred <laughs> what if um they walk out in the street like oh my god you and i are the ones responsible for that mm-hmm. and um oh my god we got to feed this child we have to clean its bottom we have to do everything for this being and the 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 shock of that put both of our nervous systems into a, a hyper aroused state permanently yeah no it's a, it's a very sustained aroused overwhelmed yeah uh, easily agitated i mean like our, our 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 window of tolerance of different things and behaviors to our kind of sensitive systems with kids was very much challenged and um, it's been a lot to our nervous systems to to have kids. They're lovely. They're amazing. We love them. And it's it's um, it's but, been loud. And our, our, <laughs> archetypally, though, like archetypally, the the more feminine partner, caregiver partner, is going to take on the the weight of that. And I could with one. And it was when I got pregnant with our second that like that patience that like this, that, like that reservoir of unending patience that I had for two years with our first just started to shore right up. Well, and the archetype that the, the masculine or provider role is to, I have to provide for these, (laughs) these two, like I have to do whatever it takes to make sure that I can, keep these people fed and clothed. And Mm -hmm. so, so that vigilance lands differently for each partner and it's, and it's real. Yeah. We really had, we were really dividing and conquering. And with that division, we were dividing our connection. Yeah. We we sacrificed our connection for our survival. And And we, and I think we, we just, we, we maxed that out. I remember we were at a wedding some years after our first, and we were talking with some friends uh, who are quite wealthy and, um, they, they said, Oh, how's it, how's it going? And we're like, Oh, we haven't been sleeping, you know, waking up to feed the baby. Maybe this was after the first child. And they're like, you don't have a night nurse. (laughs) Meaning they had someone who was actually breastfeeding their child, uh, or giving the child, giving the child a bottle. Okay. I was like, how does the night nurse work? Giving the child a bottle at night so they could sleep. And I, I just had never even heard of the concept and couldn't believe while wow, these people were actually sleeping and had the luxury because they are wealthy enough to, um, you know, have relaxed nervous systems, um, which is something you and I didn't have. And in a way it was, what was I think what was devastating about having children was losing our connection. That was really devastating. And, to get to a point where it was like, you know, there was so little nourishment between you and I, 
and we have a great life and we have wonderful children it was like eh, there was like wow what if we you know this might actually be easier if we didn't live together you know you'd have a week and then i'd have a week and and kind of i've talked to many friends who've gotten divorced and go it's pretty great you know <laughs> you have a week off and like oh my god that sounds incredible yeah you know, and so then to get on the other side of that and go, wow, this is way better than that. We have we have this connection between each other that actually self-organizes the whole family. Mm-hmm. As you and I, it's not about, I remember we did dates. We're like, let's go on a date night. Th- those were terrible because we were exhausted at a date. This is so different because there's love and appreciation and warmth flowing between us. And it's generative. And, the whole family. and we've mutually made space at a time of day in the week to regularly spend time with each other. We did create that structure, yeah. Which, you know, we we had the wonderful foresight to know that and, and, and know that that would be needed because we were already seeing signs of like, okay, this our relationship is needing some attention and nurturing. Right. And, um, and so that has gotten to sync up. Fortunately, we had, you know, our kind of our breakthrough and sorts before those got to get started and so then to have our breakthrough and then know that okay every every week on wednesday like that was going to be our time to really spend together however it looked um i think is also some of the infrastructure that's needed to that nurturing we live in the, the the neoliberal capitalistic patriarchal white supremacy majority culture is just not nurturative. We are yeah. not nurturing. It's anti-nurturing. It's anti-nurturing, and it's it's um, actually like looked at as a as a it's a weakness. A weakness, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's the antithesis kind of, of neoliberalism of being self-sufficient and and individualistic, and that's what we had done by dividing and conquering. I mean, we, we, we were individualized. Like the, we were we were the poster children for that. Just highly independent, highly driven, right? Highly capable, and and that's I mean, but like, who was that really serving? It wasn't serving us. Know. It wasn't serving our Not kids. Our so um, it was. It felt nice to kind of grow up enough to have the maturity and the choice to unchoose subscribing to some socialization that we, you know, endured and had lived out, and that we tried. We tried on, and it didn't work for us. Yeah. Because um, I think it you. You've got to kind of exhaust it before you can say, hey, this isn't working and neither do I want to bail and try again with someone else. Yeah. Or do I want to, you know, do we want to have a meeting about it and like, let's make our own rules? Kind of how um, I had individually started to do once I started learning about the sociological subject of motherhood studies and how like the whole institution of motherhood was invented. Yeah. Um, and so even back then in 2021, I had a lot of grief about how so, how much kind of traditional roles we played. And I guess it's taken us, you know, these other couple of years to really find that empowered, um, you know, they call it empowered mothering where you kind of write your own rules. Like, well, this is empowered coupling. Yeah. We are, we are committing revolutionary acts of relationship, you know, just that um, we're being advocates for ourselves. We're being we're doing this big kind of counter counter 
counterculture, possibly. We're, we're pushing against the grain of, of society. And so many couples do split up kind of in the, the middle age. And they hit that, that middle kind of portion of their lifetime. And, you know, children, you know, we know children, but when you have kids between, you know, zero and five, that's the, the highest rate of divorce in married couples because it's such a difficult time. And, uh, but I don't know that it has to be. I think it's difficult because the setup of the good mother and the good father yeah. does not include a good couple or a strong couple or a yeah. connected couple. Right. That's like that's totally put on the back out burner. of the equation. And that's the missing piece of the equation. Um, like that is a that is a time of great brain development for children and actually a lot of neuroplasticity for the caregivers, for the parents. Yep. And I think it's a missed opportunity of connection um, that uh, that could be be had and, and then benefit the whole that whole family system. The whole system, yeah. I think that's a great that's a great initial dive in to. Uh, to what we're experiencing and um we'll probably just do this again give some more guidance and insight for particularly for for couples that are looking at some pretty strong disconnection in, in their life whether they have children or not and how to get that circuit reconnected um so that there can be this fuel source for each other and i think it would give them some clarity about you know what is next yeah, I think the big the big realization too I want to put out there is that there's a there's an energy you can only get from your partner that you can't generate for yourself. You can't get from God and you can't get from your children or your friends. Or you can't get from your other distractions. Yeah. Yeah, and it's I think it's why people end up, you know, getting with other people because they're looking for it. They're looking for that lonely, soft solidity and that, you know, warm loving expressiveness we all need that we all want it 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 fuels us and we're wired for connection yeah if you're looking if you're looking around at other people it's because you're not getting it in your relationship that doesn't mean you should end your relationship it means hey let's look at what's off and and how do we get that circuit reconnected remember this is the reason why we got together in the first place mm -hmm. for most of us we were we that lit up and we received this incredible energy from this other person it's not codependency or enmeshment it, it certainly can be at an early stage what we're talking about is something that's more interdependent anyway um it's been absolutely wonderful speaking with you honey thanks for having me ben i love you i love you too